Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's it going, everybody? This is Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Going to open up this episode with a very straightforward and simple question. Is the honeymoon over for Predators fans with Andrew Burnett and Barry Trotz? I feel like it is. I feel like their fans are done with the whole, oh, we're excited, we're happy, and you're seeing it after every loss that the Preds take right now. They're taking loss, they're taking losses on the chin left and right. Things don't look good. Max, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing just another night, you know. As far as the end of that question goes, I mean, it's kind of what I've been saying for the past few weeks now, you know, the, the win streak in November, December was nice, but it's not what this team was, and we just got to accept it, you know. It's And it's no, again, no big deal this team right now is. I mean, of course, the future moves are going to dictate what this team is going to be, but right now, I mean, it, it, this is what, I mean, it's, the way I see it is just sticking to the rebuild plan is what we had. I mean, just, yeah, you got to give it time. That's no one, if you, anyone who thought that this team was going to be a cup contender or close to it this year was kidding themselves. So Preds go into the all-star break officially out of the, out of a playoff spot. They take, yep. they take a really brutal loss to the LA Kings, which was essentially a battle between two wildcard teams that are yeah. both going in the wrong direction, two yes. very desperate teams two teams that have not played well in the month of January. And you look at the numbers here and we'll get more into them uh, as the episode rolls on here. But the biggest thing that sticks out from this game, 44 scoring chances for the Predators. The Kings only had 22. And yet you lose this game four to two. You only get, you only get two goals to show for it on 44 scoring chances. Give a lot of credit to David Riddick. He haunts his former team. I was gonna say, Ugh. like, how, how, what did, what did we do to him? What I don't did know. We do wow, that guy. I mean, Gosh. that that I was, I was at the game last night. I was there in person the whole game. I'm just sitting there, sitting there thinking, what, how, how badly did we screw him over? I mean, it he, looked like a complete. He, he literally played as well as he did last night for as well as he did the whole time in Nashville. It was just crazy. Yeah. And, and of course, offensive issues continue. Yes. Philip Forsberg did score a goal, but that top line has still been effectively neutralized over the last, I would say the last nine games. So the predators have actually scored three goals or less in each of their last nine games, which is pretty telling in itself they've gone three five and one over that nine game stretch where they if you can't score more than three goals consistently in a game you're going to lose a lot of games nhl no it doesn't yeah it doesn't matter how good or bad uc Soros is you got to be able to put three goals or more up on a consistent basis and a lot of nights you got to put up four goals preds can't get there right now the top line's been neutralized in fact even though forsberg did score last night that actually came 
went on a different line. That was when Novak was on a line with yeah. Forsberg. That was not on the same line with right. Nyquist. It was right up in the power play. So, yeah. So, we are going to discuss later in this episode during a segment, what changes do the Predators need to make when they come out of the All-Star break? Let's go to the drawing board here. Let's start talking about what should Andrew Burnett be, be thinking right now as a head coach? Not what Barry Trotz is thinking. Trotz is thinking about the trade deadline right now. Right. But what does Andrew Burnett need to change with this team right now, X's and O's wise, to get this team ready to start winning again? They might not be a playoff team, but they've definitely got to put a better project on the ice than what they're showing as of late. Otherwise, they're really going to fall back in the standings. It's going to, it's going to get ugly. So we are going to talk about that. We're also going to give you an NHL All-Star game preview the nhl roster the all-star game rosters are out phil forsberg is on team austin matthews yeah yep i was just looking at it before this episode it's i didn't realize how different it is this year it's not the east west or anything it's completely different oh i've got my qualms about this whole thing and most of it has to do with the all-star competition or the skills competition i should say and how not every player is being represented and, and you left a lot of really skilled players off, including Philip Forsberg, who's not participating in the skills competition. Really? No. I must admit, I don't I really don't know how much the all-star game is gonna work. Like I'm not gonna watch it. I'm gonna be out of town this weekend. And I haven't I'll say I haven't watched the all-star game in years. I'm not even gonna lie about that. <laughs> well, I will go over the, the skills competition rosters when we get into this segment, but it's a lot of the same players. It's like you're seeing the same players. It's pretty much all Vancouver and Toronto players throughout. Each I notice on Team Matthews, it's like all Maple Leafs players. Which, I mean, hey, that means Philip Forsberg is going to be getting a lot of cheers from the hometown crowd in Toronto if he's playing on a, <laughs> on a team with uh, Maple Leafs. So he's on there with Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander. So, you know, should be a lot of fun. Maple Leafs fav- flavor there. Yeah. Um, also going to bring in some Titans talk here. Me and Max are both going to answer the question, who has had more overall success in their history, the Preds or the Titans, not the Oilers. We're not, we're going to cut it off only when it, <laughs> only when they became the Titans. I, it was a really hard answer for me to come up with here. It is, was, it is for me as well. Cause they're very eerily similar. They, they both had really great regular season, uh, regular season history. They've uh, won a lot of games. They've made the playoffs a bunch, but each team has only made the championship in their league once, and they lost. So we're going to try to answer that. All right. So also, I think that covers about everything. I'm sure some other random stuff will come up in the meantime when we're getting into it. But let's talk about that game against the Kings a little bit more. Um, Game opens up really close. Uh, Kings get a couple goals. Uh, Forsberg. Gets a big goal to make it, uh, make it, what was that? What was it? Two to one. Forsberg, yeah, he made it two to one. Game was still kind of close, but it was one of those those things where the Predators just couldn't overcome. They couldn't get over that next step and get that game tied up. Saros, what did you think from UC Saros in this game? Let's start with that. I thought Juice was fine. I mean, none of the goals he gave up were really his fault at all. He kind of gave up a couple goals like toward the corner and, you know, it's, I guess maybe you would want him to stop, but like if you're gonna, I don't think the Pred, the Preds didn't lose this game because UC Soros failed them. They Preds lost this game because they couldn't score. Yeah, like, and I mean that, and that's like the, simple the as Kings, that. The Kings add an empty net goal late there to make it a four to two final score. So you know, uh, Philip Tomasino gets a goal, gets his yep. seventh goal of the year. That's been a big topic of conversation lately, and not in a yes. good way. No, he is just 
why does this why does this coaching staff maybe that's something we can cover later in this episode coming out of the all-star break why is this coaching staff so afraid of elevating Tomasino into getting bigger minutes on this team right now I just don't understand it I have an opinion on that that we can get into later <laughs> potentially or now later whatever it is but yeah, I, hey you know what I already want to hear it from you bring it now what do you think okay, going I'll on I'll bring it now I love it so pretty yes. much and I want to say this right here I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm not saying it's definitely this. It could it could just be as simple as the coaches not using him right. But think about with Tomasino last year. He didn't play in Nashville for the first several months of the year. Over a half a year, he, he only played in Nashville like the last third of the year, I want to say. And then this year, he's having the trouble. At some point, you know, and I'm... I'm probably the, I'm one of the only ones on Preds Twitter who wants to say this, and I'm I might get ripped for this, uh, but it's my opinion. At some point, we gotta have a tougher conversation. And ask, is it is it a coincidence or is it something behind the scenes that's going on that we don't know about? That's a red flag or something like that. Because how? Because if we see two separate coaching staffs have questionable usage of them, at what point is it is at what point is it something way deeper? I don't know. I have trouble making sense of it. You know, when he was being healthy scratched earlier in the season, I kept saying, okay, he's going to have to elevate his game and he's going to have to prove it to the coaches to get to get consistent playing time. And he's done that whenever he can. And in, in his limited amount of ice time, he's done everything he can. You look at this game against the Kings last night, and, I mean, you're when you're looking at five-on-five five play, your most, your most productive line, forward line, was Tomasino's line. Smith, yes. McC- Smith, McCarron, and Tomasino—they were only on the ice for two minutes and ten seconds together at well, five on five, and they were the most productive, offensively speaking, the most productive at generating offense. The to- the Novak Glass Tomasino line—I was going to say that that was basically the line for the most of the game. Exactly, yeah, and they—they—they're the ones that produced the one goal, and then I like uh, that line. They were doing work. They were they, and that this is the things that. Andrew Burnett's really going to have to consider. And then, of course, post-trade deadline, here's what I think is going to happen. I think everyone needs to be patient when it comes to their frustration, and I get their frustration when it comes to mostly Tomasino not getting the playing time he deserves. But I think we're in store for another major sell-off, just like last year. And the the remaining month and a half or whatever of the season, 30-plus games that we have left are going to be – it's going to be these players uh, getting. I think we're going to see some line changes coming out of the All Star break first and do. foremost. And he, he and Bruno hasn't changed that top line in literally three months. You know, he, and I he and that's kind of where I was going. That top line has stayed. Well, that's where I was going with that. I, I, you're not going to take Forsberg and O'Reilly off the top line. That's not. just not going no. to happen. No. So Nyquist and I, I'm not just saying. I'm not saying this because I think I, Nyquist has just been awful and it, and he deserves a demotion. But you've got to be able to adjust on the fly throughout a season. And I think Brunette's maybe stuck with this top line a little too long. Teams have thrown their entire arsenal, defensive arsenal, at at shutting down that top line. And then the Predators just can't get enough going behind that top line. So I think it's time to shake it up a little bit. Who – I would love to see Novak on the top line, but he doesn't really fit there being a left no. wing when he plays the wing. So your only option may, might be Tomasino on the top or line. Or Evangelista. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that, though. Evangelista yeah. has not been as good as I would like him to be this year. I, I know that's going to be a little a, a little 
bit that people don't like that, but I, I don't think he's been quite as good as his rookie year, his his first year. And I know this is technically his rookie year, but um, you're muted. I'm I'm a little nervous about putting Evangelista on the top line because he has gotten out physical a lot this year. Yes, he's, that, he's that's pushed that's off very the puck true. a lot. So I would be a little cautious about that. I I think you got to try Tomasino on the top line. Because okay I, I would love to see Nyquist on the on on the second line to have a little bit of a veteran presence on the you want to spread your veterans yeah. out a little bit here. And that's one thing I also I, I can't remember who said it. And if I'm saying if you see it, I apologize. I, I'm not trying to steal words. I just don't remember who said this, but I one time saw a take that basically said that for, that Nyquist on the top line does hurt a little bit because you brought him in to kind of be that depth piece. And whenever he's on the top line, you don't really have that same depth. So the, yeah, your, your bottom not, your bottom three lines are, you got the first line, then just like it's all over the place. So having Nyquist go down, the, maybe the second line can help that depth a little bit. Yeah. And, I, you know, Dennis Garyanov, has he done enough to keep getting second line? No. Second line start. He just can't I, score. I mean, he has the talents there. We've seen it, but you gotta got to execute. Look, he's got the speed. He's got speed that burns. He he knows how to burst into the offensive zone. But like you say, the dude can't finish, and that's a microcosm of this entire team. They can't finish. So yeah, the team's now twentieth in the NHL in goals per game. That is not a number you expected to see with Andrew Burnett taking over. We knew it would take some time, but we're well past the midway point now. Where we should be seeing much better offensive results than what we're seeing from this team. So, Burnett's got a lot to chew on here, and maybe the All Star break came at just the perfect time for this team to yeah, push re- for this team to push reset, take a deep breath. Of course, this team still wants to make the playoffs. Of course, this team uh, isn't thinking about being sellers. These guys are at, these guys are competitors. They want to win. They want to win it all. So, coming out of the All Star break, maybe this is the perfect time for this team to really. You know, they've been getting pushed around a lot lately, and they've been dealing with a lot of, of negative negative stuff lately, and it's just not working out for them. You come out of a game here where you put up 44 scoring chances and you only come away with two goals. I mean, that's just that's just brutal stuff. So I think this is a, a really opportune time to have a, to have an extended break, uh, spend some time with family, uh, reset your mind a little bit, and then if you're brunette, you really got to uh, – go back to the drawing board here and get ready for this post all-star break and see what you can do. And you'll all say also, you know, I'm, you know, at, the, at least at this point, and, and I, and I feel like this has been kind of my sense all time, even though 20th scoring in the league is not exactly what you wanted or expected, really. It doesn't really freak me out too much. Cause again, it's the first year. And if we wanted a rebuild year where the team is going to struggle, well, you got to go through pains. And again, I look at that stretch in November and December is like that. I mean, that, that in itself, right there, was overachieving a lot. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold it too much against him. At least at this point, you n- next year, if it's still going on, maybe I'll start to become a little bit more concerned because then that's really a sign that your guys are not developing. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely got to think that way for sure. Um, you got to start thinking about who is going to, who do you behind closed doors, who do you think is definitely going to be on this team? next season those are the players you got to start giving chances more chances to um and some players who you are pretty set on trading um those are the types of players that you got to think about maybe maybe healthy scratching or maybe moving them knocking down their minutes i don't know um but 
then you got to start thinking about who are you going to call up from Milwaukee? Because right. that's probably, yeah, probably a huge thing they got it. They, they might do before after the All Star break. I mean, I was kind of surprised we didn't see it already. Like, I, I'm really surprised the Preds have not made ever since they sent down Yusuf Parson into Milwaukee. I'm really surprised they haven't made any corresponding uh, call ups. That like, and I know they don't want to disrupt the, the chemistry that Milwaukee's got going on right now. That team is one what like 11 games in a row they haven't lost in, since the right. calendar flipped to 2024. So I mean, it's always it's always kind of a delicate balance. Like you don't want to wreck that team, what that team's got going on right now. But you also got to think about, okay, they are the farm team, and then they do need reinforcements in the NHL right now. Right. So it, it's a tough call, man. It's a tough call. But like I would, you know, we've been talking for a while now that we want to see Spencer Stastny called back up. Yeah. And uh, you know, what about this? In the in this Kings game, Tyson Berry comes back to the lineup. You know, and you're trying to showcase him to get him some trade value, and I just don't think there's any trade value right now. He actually guy. he scored a goal last night, but it was waved off due to waved off interference. Yeah. yeah, and that was called on Cody Glass, who it was it was goaltender interference. Was, so, those, those are one of the ones like usually those goalie interference calls are so controversial. That was pretty clear cut. I thought so too. Glass Glass has been playing a good bit better these past few games. I, he hasn't scored, but he's. It seems to have his legs back under him, which is pretty good, which is good to see. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you got to keep putting Tyson Berry in the lineup because, and you got to hope that he strings together a couple really, really strong games. And, and there's a team out there that takes a shot at him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, um, you know, I think you've got to definitely think about trading keeper Sherwood, who's not even yeah. getting in the game right now. He's not even getting started all the time. Who knows if he has any value? I mean, he doesn't have much, but you get something out of him. And, um, you know, there's still all these talks on UC Saros as well. So, I'm telling you, if they, let's say this team keeps losing after the All-Star break. That phone's going to keep ringing off the hook for Barry Trotz. And, and you're seeing a lot of big-time NHL insiders who are throwing it out there that – it seems more realistic now than it ever has that Trotz could pull the trigger and trade UC Soros. Well, I also will say kind of unrelated. We the the big trade started get, started last night. We had a big trade Vancouver and Calgary. Oh so yeah. It, so it's already kind of starting to pick up and around the around the all-star break is you know when a lot of teams kind of make up their mind if they're gonna buy or sell. And you know, Trotz, I saw something from Trotz basically said like if we're actually on a legit heater and we actually have momentum and stuff and a real looks like a real chance then i'll keep the squad together but he's like if it's just like in a play in a wild card spot and we're kind of just hanging around he's not going to waste his time and i don't i don't see really getting better because we have we're tied for the most games played of any team in the west and i don't think i don't think we're within 11 points of another team in the central that is above us yeah that was a that was a great trade for uh calgary for calgary they got a lot of assets for that guy i I do think it's a good trade for Vancouver in the short term. They've, they're showing that they're all in. Elias Lindholm is a very good, um, steady second-line center, third-line center, probably on their second line. Um, Vancouver's in it to win it. They are very much in it to win it right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I really think – let's get uh, – we, we got our buddy Matt in here. What's up, Matt? We're, let's share his comment here. 
Matt Hardesty on X says, Glass, Novak, Tomasino is a great line. I couldn't break them up. I'd rather see them bring up uh, Joachim Kimmel. Oh. That's one, too. I don't who knows if he, who knows if he's ready yet though he's he hasn't been AHL for long I've heard I've heard a lot of people who who have watched the ads and they say that they don't think he's ready yet so I wouldn't get so I see I I, I see what Matt's saying I don't know if I get your hopes up that far yet for Kemmel I mean let, let's say the Predators really fall out of the playoff race and and you're you're going through March after the trade deadline you trade some assets away I'm all for getting Kemmel in the lineup then you wouldn't hate it of course. I was saying I've seen that I've heard that some people have say and people that I trust to have saying they don't think he's ready. So that's not my words. I'm saying for other people that have said that. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Matt, for sharing. Good to see you and hear from you. All right. So let's uh let's start talking about some other stuff here. Uh let's get into the NHL All-Star yeah. um selections and what we're expecting. So Philip Forsberg again is on team Austin Matthews. So um a lot of Maple Leafs flavor on that team. Four players um, to be exact. <laughs> yeah. So you've also got Alex DeBrinkett on uh, Forsberg's team. You've got uh, your two goalies. you got Jake Ottinger and Igor Shesterkin. Yep. So it's pretty solid. think that Forsberg's on a pretty good team. I'm very, very upset that he did not get in the skills competition, though. How do you not put Philip Forsberg in the puck handling, stick handling competition when he's one of the best stick handlers in the game? Yeah. Makes no, no sense to me. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. What to but say. you said I you don't. You said you don't even watch the skills competition very often. I hardly even watch the game itself. Very, I, I literally have not watched the game in years. Like, I, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I mean, I would have really liked to have seen Forsberg in either the stick handling competition or the accuracy shooting competition. I mean, l- let's think about Forsberg's wrister. I mean, yeah. he's known for his snipe ability with his wrister. How do you not put him in? the accuracy shooting competition, but just looking over some of these, uh, these contestants and the accuracy shooting, you got Nikita Kucherov. Okay. That makes total sense. Um, Cal McCarr, Connor McDavid, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, William Nylander, Leon Dreisaitl and Austin Matthews. Now that is a pretty, that's a pretty loaded. I mean, Forsberg definitely is not better than a lot of those players. I'll say that. Well, he's not, but I mean, I, I just think you should, Feature every all star yeah. in your skills. Yeah, I agree with that. If you're gonna bring him to the game, you let him play in the skills. Like when I when I went to the game in Nashville, I don't know if were you at the one in Nashville when it happened? No, I did not get to go to that. Yeah. Well, I saw like when I was there, I saw and I, I'm pretty sure every guy who was at the all-star game was in the skills competition to some degree. Oh, yeah. This is the first year where they're not um they're not featuring every player that's in the all-star game. This this format's very weird. I I I don't like it just from all the, the way the way. It well, you works. know, leave it to the NHL to always overcomplicate things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start talking about some of our favorite players who are going to be in this All-Star game. Let's do let's go with that. So for me, I'm really, really pumped to see David Posternock just go. That's out. what I was that's what I was gonna say. I like I really love Posternock. I mean, I feel like he's gonna just compare really take off in this game and so he's a good one you know you're talking three on three format so it's open ice plenty of scoring chances that's the whole point here but um looking at some of the other squads here let's see david posternock's team he is on where is posternock at he's on team mcdavid 
How's that fair? So team Connor, keep team Connor McDavid. So they did a player draft tonight that, which was pretty cool. So you can go, if you have like ESPN plus, you can go back and watch it. But the, they did a, uh, an all-star team draft similar to what I think the NBA did the same thing. So that's, that was kind of fun to watch. So Connor McDavid, no shocker here. He takes his buddy Leon Dreisaitl. Um, Then you've got Robert, Robert Thomas is another one that should be in the skills competition. That dude is so fun to watch for the St. Louis blues. He's gotten better and better, but yeah, Connor McDavid's group. You got Leon Dreisaitl, Nick Suzuki, Rasmus Dahlin, Robert that's guy, that's guy I'm excited. I would be excited to watch. Yes. Dahlin, I like him a lot. Sam Ryan, Sam Sam Reinhart from the Florida Panthers, who is just having a where did that crazy, come from? Crazy breakout year. Where did that come from? He's one of the me? top goal scorers in the league right now. The yeah, he is on fire. He has 37 goals. We're not even at. We're, we just started February. Sergey Bobrovsky, always good to see him. The, the you know the Sharks had to have a player. Everybody's got to have a player. So Tomas Hurdle is representing the Sharks, and then you've got Boone Jenner representing the hapless Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's your team, Connor McDavid. I don't know. If you um, I don't know. They have Connor Hellbuck too, who's probably going to win oh, the yeah. Desmo this year. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I like Forsberg's team more. I think I like Team Matthews more than that one. All right, Na- Team Nathan McKinnon's squad. Let's look at that one. Of course, he takes his teammate, Cal McCarr. Sidney yep. Crosby is on this team. Travis Konechny from the Flyers. You got Sebastian Ajo, Tom Wilson. <laughs> I mean, really? Really? Can't believe every, he's not even 30 yet. He's just every, 39. Every team's got to have a player, though. David Oliver Bjorkstr- Bjorkstrand. Yep. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, he's going to be fun to watch. That's that's another player I'm excited to watch in this format. Kaprizov and his shot, I'm really excited to see him play in this. And then, you know, of course, you know, I, I, I used to just really just have so much disdain for for Sidney Crosby ever since the Stanley Cup and all that stuff. But you know what? I'm still not blind to the fact that he's one of the best ever to play. Oh this yeah. Game. yeah. And so watching him in an All Star game at this elevated age, I'm still going to be all about it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Team McKinnon doesn't do it for me, though. It doesn't do it for me. And then let's get to the the Hughes brothers have their own team. Nikita Kucherov, Brady Tuchuk, Cam Talbot's going to be their goalie, Elias Pettersson. Okay. Elias Pettersson might be my number one player that I'm really excited to watch in this game. Yeah, he's having an incredible year. I mean, every- that dude, that dude's wrister, that dude's shot is—I mean, he's going to be just the way he the lamp. The game. Yeah. So Elias Pettersson, JT Miller is also having a great year. Thatcher yeah. Demko, so a lot of Canucks flavor on this team. Kyle Connor and Jesper Brock. All right. Also on Team Hughes, you've got Brock Besser and Frank. Vetrano. I really think Philip Forsberg's team with Austin Matthews might be the best team. I, I personally, as far as the team, of course Forsberg on that team. I, of course, he's my favorite player in the in the All Star game. But I, as a whole, I really like Team McDavid. You like Team McDavid? I like Team McDavid a lot. I they have some players I really like watching. So yeah, they so they're going away from the uh, so in the past they've always done the division format. So all the the divisions go up against each other in like a tournament style. Um, but now they're going the more fan-friendly way of uh, 
players drafting their their uh, their teams. So we'll see how that goes um, with that. So um, yeah, good stuff there. All Star Weekend. The uh, All Star Game will be on Saturday. The Skills Competition will be on Friday night. So uh, you can check that out if you have um, ESPN or the ESPN Plus app. All right. More to get into here. Before we do that, let's tell you about our sponsor, DraftKings, with our Super Bowl offer. <coughs> Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. So I've got some. you got all the fun Super Bowl props out there for this year. So um, right now you got the San Francisco 49ers against the Kansas City Chiefs. First of all, Max, what did you think about that Ravens-Chiefs game? That was... The Ravens blew it. They blew it. Like, that that was comedy of errors, lack of discipline. I mean, that... Yeah, it, it was a mess for them. If I'm a Ravens fan, I'm just sick to my stomach right now with the way they gave away that game. It was mistake after mistake after mistake for them. All right. The line right now, according to DraftKings, has the 49ers as two-point or two-point favorites, actually. Uh, so there's that. You can do player specials on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, including how many sacks will Nick Bosa have two-plus sacks, Will Christian McCaffrey have 130 rushing yards and receiving yards? Travis Kelsey, 11 or more receptions, all kinds of stuff. You've also got touchdown scores, alternate spreads, alternate totals. First half, all of your Super Bowl prop bets are on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And you can use our code THPN to get this offer of five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THBN. New customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's go back to what we were talking about earlier. What do we want to see change? What, what does Andrew Burnett need to be working on come, coming out of? Are you okay over there? No, I dropped my phone. I'm good. I was like, what happened? No, that was just my phone. No, everyone, everyone you can take a deep breath. That was just right. my phone. <laughs> what? So I we, we talked about the top line. I think that the biggest thing that Andrew Burnett needs needs to fix with this team coming out of the all-star break is he's going to have to shake the, the forward lines up. Definitely yeah. going to have to do that. I agree. Yep. Yeah. I think, and you know, I, I, Oh, sorry. You were saying, well, I was also going to say uh, a, a big thing too, has been the power play is, is just completely gone backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Went over four against the Kings. Yep. This is supposed to be a strength of this team under Andrew Burnett. And it was looking good there for a while, but wow. 
I mean, and here's another crazy thing, and I know people aren't going to like this, but I'm just speaking facts here. The Predators enter enter this year's All-Star break with the same amount of points as they did entering the All-Star break last year with John Hines. Just mm. saying. Just yeah, saying. I mean, that, different situations, but yeah, I mean, it's not – Certainly not ideal for where you want this team to be. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, this team kind of has to just pick a direction. You can't just stay in this mediocre limbo the whole time. But that's why I think this team just needs to say, you know what, commit to the rebuild that we started and just continue to sell. Let's not let's not make the same mistake we made two years ago. We looked like we were going to rebuild. We kept it together. It, it set us back a few years. This year, stay the course. Just do what you said you were going to do. And keep this thing going and this year this year is not going to be it next year probably won't be either but you should want overall just you want to hope for steady improvement in the coming years so but for this year just commit to the cell and yeah there's yeah this this team is it's pretty proven at this point this team is not gonna maybe a threat in the playoffs so why would you try and keep it going five weeks away from the trade deadline 13 games left for the predators during that span I actually think that Trotz is going to pull off some trades before trade deadline day. I could see it. I really do. I think I could we could def- after the All Star break, I could see things happening pretty fast. I could see, um, I could see Sherwood getting traded. I could see either Dante Fabro or Alexander Carrier could be traded. Um, I actually, arguably, besides Soros, I think Carrier might be your most valuable. That's one. I, that's what I was thinking as well. I think that's one. And here's. Here's kind of the dilemma with trading Carrier. If you're trading Carrier, like already the Preds are kind of have a lopsided ratio when it comes to left-handed defensemen versus right-handed defensemen in Nashville and Milwaukee. If you trade Carrier, you're take that right side taking a hit again. So that's my mm-hmm. only reservation with trading Carrier. But I'm with you. I think he could absolutely get a return, and he's one of those. I would probably I would I I would still I don't it doesn't really worry me enough to trade him because you know I, it's it's been proven that it's not. It's not the worst thing in the world because Yossi's played on the right side a bunch. I, I know Lozon can play on the right side a little bit, but like it's not like that's nothing to think about. You gotta think if we're getting rid of Carrier, we're further depleting the right side of that defense, which it's not the most critical thing in the world, but it does matter. It does matter. It but I mean, here's my thing. If your goal at this trade headline is to acquire future assets in the draft right. and, yeah. and maybe maybe Agreed. get a prospect out of it too or something. Then you gotta offer some good stuff. Yeah. You can't you can't just right. you can't just be like, oh, I don't want to trade this guy because I like him too much. It don't work that way. You, yeah. You're gonna have to part ways with someone you really like if you're gonna get anything out of this trade deadline. And unfortunately, a lot of the press tradable assets right now are not of high value, unfortunately. So right. I don't know how much Barry Trotz is really gonna be able to get out of this trade deadline. Even if he does trade a few players, he's not gonna get much. Yeah, and the thing with Carrier, it doesn't. The thing with Carey being a right-hand defenseman doesn't worry. It doesn't worry me enough to not trade him, and especially if you don't think you're going to resign him. If you're not going to, if you're not going to resign him, then don't even think about it. You don't want to lose lose him for nothing. But I'm just saying that dilemma is it's not. It's not like it's a nothing matter either. And, and Dante Fabro could be traded again as well. I mean, let's yeah. not let's not forget about that. I mean, I would rather see Dante Fabro be traded. Kind of for the reasons you're mentioning, honestly. Like I don't want to see the right part side of the defense. Well, take right handed as well. Yeah, but I would much rather move on from from Fabro. Yeah, I mean, if it's, I mean, I guess the thing is, if it's going to be a question of whether if Fabro, if it's one of those things where you're going to question if Fabro is going to be playing a ton, I mean, you rather 
to straighten for where he's going to play versus having this question, although he has been in the lineup for most of January, so that's been way less of an issue lately. And I think Fabro could get a decent get, – could get something for you. Something. But I do like that Yossi Fabro pairing. But, again, you can't – like you said, you can't just – if you want to get assets, you can't use a ton of reasons to not trade these guys. You just have to get your assets and get draft capital. So – no reason to get too picky on that. You know, right. so I wrote an article. I want to get your thoughts on this. I wrote an article recently um, for Prentlines.com saying that really my only untouchable free agent that I don't want to see traded is Tommy Novak. I just don't – I think that would be – I think that would be counterproductive for what you're trying to build here. Like, you could definitely get a good return on him if you want to trade him, but why would you trade away significant pieces to your to the young part of your lineup that just seems like you're further prolonging the rebuild longer than it needs to be by trading away someone like Tommy Novak, who is anytime he gets a chance to play consistently, he's one right. of the most efficient point producers on this team outside of Philip Forsberg. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I, in its general sense, I agree. But, you know, as I've been saying on this podcast a bunch, you know, in a perfect world, you want to keep them. But if you're getting to, more chase than whenever the deadline is. I believe that's it. And you're getting to that point and you're still nowhere near a deal with Tommy Novak. The worst thing you can do is lose him for nothing. So if you get to March 8th and he's not signed, not even close to it, you just got to say, you know what, cut your losses and at least get something. That's so I, I agree. You know, I would absolutely, he was one of those guys I would prioritize. But again, you don't want to, the worst outcome is you lose him for nothing. Yes. Um, Matt Hardesty jumps in here back on. He's watching on X Don't here with us. Me, Matt. Shen's contract is in unmovable. Trotz has a ton of work to do. Yeah, that you cannot. Not to mention yeah. Novak elevates Tomasino. Yeah. Exactly. You got to think about that too. You trade yeah. away Novak. How does that affect all your other younger players that, that play well together? So I just – for me, it would take a really, really huge offer from a team that I don't think anyone's going to do that. But for me to – I'm not. I'm not trading Novak away just to get a couple draft picks. I'm just not doing that. I that just hope no that you know. Obviously, Barry's gonna have a ton of work to do the deadline, but I would just hope that in the days leading up, or even beforehand, just lock Barry and Novak's agent in a room together and <laughs> just get a deal done. Don't leave that room until it's finished. <laughs> so I came across this really interesting um, post from Cat Friendly today. So st- they they ranked. On standard contracts, not ELCs, or players 35 or older, lowest cost per point ranking. So these are like the biggest bargains compared to how many points they score. Mm-hmm. Tommy Novak is the fifth fifth cheapest player in terms of point production. $34,782 down to – that's his – Cost per point right there, $34,000. Almost $35,000 per point. One of the you got to remember, players. he was injured for for about a month, and when he came back, he was still, like he was in a bit of a slump too. So that just shows you how much of a bargain he is. Of course, you probably won't get him back for that cheap again, but still. Also, I shared this a while ago as well. It might have changed a little bit since I shared this because I think they played maybe one or two games. But Novak is also – one of the best puck movers and puck p- possessors. He's he, he is top 50 in the league among skaters, and he's in territory with players like Nikita Kucherov and Miko Rantanen when it comes to his Corsi rating. I mean, the guy is over 60% on 
Corsi, which is elite. You're any, anything over 16, you're elite in that category, at least. So I have been saying this for a while. It's only a matter of time before Novak becomes a perennial, not just top six player, but he can even be a top line player in his future in Nashville. And that's why some people were really upset when they went out and got Nyquist and O'Reilly. And even though they've played very well and they've done some good things, it kind of put a roadblock up for the younger players to be on the top line this year. So I know a lot of fans are upset about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly understand that. And, uh, and to your point, whenever you watch Novak play, just the one thing that stands out to me is how much control he has with the puck on his stick. And he, he just looks strong. And last year, during the final stretch of the year, it felt like he was producing at a point per game. Like it's He, he very well could break up into that upper echelon of forwards who actually does score a point per game at some point. Yep. All right, so plenty more to get into as that time comes closer. Want to do one one other quick thing before we move on here. Let's look at the. I want to look at the wild card standings right now, and I want to size up the price. So if you want to pull it up in front of you, Max. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now. And I want because the wild card race in the Western Conference is, as you would expect, full of very mediocre teams, just like <laughs> the Predators are right now. But if we got to pick two teams in this wild card race that are going to eventually be on top and get one of those playoff spots. Who is the most dangerous out of these wildcard teams right now if they get in the playoffs? Who is the most dangerous? And I assume we're not – Edmonton's in third in the Pacific, so we're not saying no, Edmonton. They, they I mean, just, they, they could – I mean, They're in a heater, so, yeah. I mean, obviously, if Edmonton fell back into the wildcard race, then, yeah, they would be the de facto easy choice as far as right. the most dangerous wildcard team. I think it's pretty safe to say that they are going to – um, End up being they're going to finish in the top three of the division for yeah. sure. You know, I there's a team that's just completely surprised me. I was so down on them. I thought they were going to be close to being a last place team down there with Chicago this year. I got to give a lot of respect to the St. Louis Blues, and I hate to say that. That team just refuses to lie down. They're they're just a gritty team. I mentioned earlier, Robert Thomas is is becoming a really underrated elite player in this league. Um, I, I, the Blues right now have the second wild card spot over the Predators in a tiebreaker because they play two fewer games, but they got the same amount of points. And then, of course, you got the Kings since they beat the Predators last night. They've got the top wild card spot with 56 points. You've got the Kraken right behind at 52 points. And then you got the Coyotes and the Flames with 49 points. So out of all of those teams, Max, who do you think is going to be the, the two that get a wild card spot? I I know I know they're slumping, but I'm 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 gonna say LA holds on. I still believe in them. You know, I they, they're still a good team. That team should be in the playoffs. And you know, I, a month-long stretch is a while, but you know, every team does have a time where they kind of go through a rough patch. And I think again, that I think that team is too skilled. I think they're I think they're still gonna make it in. Honestly, you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but man, I, I don't even know if I want to say this, but actually I'm going to say, I'm going to say it just to be fun. Minnesota you know Wild. I'm, I'm going to say, you know who's going to be in there? I think the Coyotes, are the Arizona Coyotes are going to sneak in there. So that was my preseason pick, but I'm starting to get a little nervous about that. They're kind of coming back down to reality a little bit. They're a fun, fast team though. Yeah. And if they yeah. were to get in the playoffs, they would, they would present some problems for, yeah. a, they would be a tough first out. 
They would be. And the, the Sean Dursey acquisition has been great for them. I've actually, you know what? I've got my eyes on, I've got my eyes on Seattle. Seattle was supposed to yeah. be a lot better going into the season. I was higher on them too. Yes. They're only, two, they're only, and they went on a long winning streak the same time the Oilers did. And then they, they kind of came back down a little that bit, was, but. I was surprised in the off season, how little they did to improve that team with the amount of draft capital and cap space they had. And they did virtually nothing. Yeah. To make that team better. So I, I'm definitely going to go. I'm with you on LA. Yeah. They're, they can only underperform for so long with the talent that team has. They're, they're the type of team where they could get a wild card spot and then they could go on a run yeah. and they could make the Stanley Cup. They're, I mean, especially if David Riddick's going to do that kind of thing on a nightly basis. You want to talk about comeback story of the year? If David Riddick somehow becomes the goalie that the Kings desperately needed, um, wow. And you'd have to, he's a good guy. You'd have to just feel good for him for that one. Yeah. He, I, you know, as much as I've not given enough respect to the Blues, I still don't think they're going to be one of the two wildcard teams yeah. when it's all said and done. Um, I don't think the Predators are either. Nope. Nope. After the deadline, I think this team's going to go, is, is going to gut it like they did last year a little bit. Maybe not to the same dramatic level, but they're still going to definitely have some big trades in there and they're going to get younger. They're going to get much younger. They're probably going to call up a couple guys from Milwaukee like they did last year down the stretch. And then if they keep winning, they keep winning. But they're you got to start thinking about a three- to five-year plan here. Yeah. And you know oh, what? Yeah. With the salary cap going up significantly this year, finally, since the COVID years, it's hardly moved at all. Right. And the Predators need to keep acquiring cap space and draft picks. Yes. And guess what? Maybe if they want to get a little – Back into free agency in the upcoming offseason. Free agency is going to be crazy this year. Offseason free agency. Have you looked at it? I mean, there are some huge free agent names in this upcoming offseason. I haven't been looking into it a ton yet, I must admit. Well, we're way ahead. So, right. so yeah. I think that obviously you don't want to just give up on the season. And you don't right. expect the players to give up. But if you're Barry Trotz, your eyes got to be on – Okay, we've got a lot of cap space right now. And if we make some big trades and free up some more money, let's take that cap space into the offseason. Salary cap's about to go up. We're going to have a lot of money to spend in free agency next this offseason if if they play their cards right here. So that's kind of what I'm thinking here. Yeah, I mean, I I and I, you know, I would say, you know, this year I was I was pretty surprised that we were as active as we were this year. So, but you know, I, I did look a little bit at the um, free agents, and you know, I will say that um, the restrict some of the restricted free agents. I know you have to trade for those guys. So some of those restricted free agents, and like Matt Hardesty just said, get Elias Pettersson. I mean, it's a it's a long shot, obviously, but that would be a great one. So our buddy Matt just wants the Predators to do what he's doing with his uh, fantasy hockey team right now in the Catfish and Ice Hockey League. Get his he motto, is, Matt likes trades. Dude, he is he is sending like three trades every day on the. League. Yeah, he, he is he is unloaded everyone. And you know what? I tried to get Jeremy Swayman off his team because I need a good goalie so bad. That's like the last thing I need. And Matt's like, sorry, bro, that's my untouchable. You can't have him. I'm like, really? Surprised Matt even has an untouchable. Like, I don't think uh, no one's untouchable for Matt. Yeah, well, he he <laughs> has he has embra- he he put his money where his mouth is. He walks the walk. He wants the predators yes. to do the same thing. He is doing that because his team was like killing it. He, he was like 
second in the league. And then he just said, you know what? We suck. I'm trading everything. Everyone's on notice. Hey, so I respect that. No one's safe. I respect yeah, no, no one's safe. You're either performing the best or you're out. All right. So your picks are LA and Arizona. Yep. I'm going LA and Seattle. I think yep. Seattle's gonna get in. And like I said, LA could make a run for the Stanley Cup easily. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It's crazy to see how bad they've struggled yeah. as of late. Ten overtime losses. I mean, just think not about all, that. Not all in January, of course, right? No, I'm just saying, okay. like, they, they were cruising there for a while. They were yeah. way ahead. And then they just – January has been particularly unkind to them. I think they've got, like, two wins in January. Only, like, two wins at all uh, in total. All right, let's wrap up Episode 220 tonight with some Titans talk. How are we going to answer this question? Who has had more success in their time in Nashville? The Predators? Or the Titans. We're not counting the Houston no. Oilers time. That wouldn't be fair. No. Got some numbers I can put on the bottom of the screen that I looked up here. So the Predators have won 965 games in their history. 741 losses, 180 overtime losses, 60 ties, 54 and 71 playoff record, which isn't great. One conference title. Titans also have one conference championship since they've been here, and they've been to the playoffs 10 times. The Predators have been to the playoffs 15 times. So, Max, who has had more overall success? You know, I, I was going – ever since I knew we were going to cover this, I was going back and forth in my head. You know, if you look – obviously, you know, I've been following mostly through the 2010s and on, and I've seen, you know, the Preds, I would say – well, not I say I've been in the playoffs more, but a lot of those playoff appearances were, you know, second round or best. A lot of first round exits. In my mind, I, I I give the slight edge to the Titans because they both have championship appearances, but the Titans have that one run that took them to the conference championship. The Preds only have one trip past the second round. I think the ultimate. I gave a slight edge to the Titans. So I went back and forth as well. But I actually chose the Predators. Okay. Because they've been to the playoffs five more times. And and they were an expansion team. So they had a much true. they had a much higher hill to climb than the Titans did. And not like an expansion team like in the in this day and age, like back in 1999. And the fact that I think the Predators may where's Johnny our hit our Predators historian when we need him. I, I think, wish you would watch live, man. <laughs> he does sometimes. So I I I can pull it up real quick. I think the Predators made the playoffs in their – I can pull it up right now. I think they made the playoffs in their sixth season. Yeah, their yeah, sixth the season. The Super so, Bowl I mean – In the, the second year, but it's not the same, of course. It's not the same, but, you know, it is a really tough question. But I, I can't ignore the fact that the, the Preds have been to the playoffs five more times. Sure. I think they've been the more consistent regular season team than the Titans. I mean, are we just going to forget about what year was it where the what when Ken Wisenhunt was the head coach and this team won like Oh two my games. god, it was awful. It was it was a year and a half I believe and he won 3 games total. 3 yeah. games in a year and a half. That's a huge stain on the Titans legacy just that season alone. Um so I get the slight edge to the Predators just cuz they had the tougher hill to climb. 
They've been the more consistent regular season team. The Predators haven't had a really ugly regular season in quite some time. They're always either right on the playoff bubble or they figure out a way to make the playoffs. I think nine straight playoff appearances ended last year. So they're both extremely frustrating for the fan base because they always choke it away in the playoffs and there's very little playoff success to write home about. But I'm going Preds. Yeah. Slightly. But I will say, though, and I don't want to go too much on a tangent here to talk about current Titans, but the Titans in the past week are assembling a coaching staff that looks pretty, pretty freaking good. So right after the Preds game ended last night, the Titans officially hired the probably the top defensive coordinator name on the market. It was Denard Wilson from the Baltimore Ravens, who he was with the Eagles last year as their secondary coach. It was with the Ravens this year's secondary coach. Both times, number one passing defenses in the NFL. And tonight, it was just confirmed that Brian Callahan is bringing his dad, Bill Callahan, to be the pred, excuse me, the Titans offensive line coach, a lateral move from Cleveland where they had one of the best O-lines in the league and they had guys injured. And I know a few weeks ago we were on here, we were not happy with how Amy Adams truck and handled things with the way, you know, she didn't go to the media and all that. The mm-hmm. variable firing looked questionable, but I wrote an article for titansize.com and I said, look, despite Amy's questionable tendencies we've seen these past few days, the results she's gotten from the moves she's made to hire and fire people have generally all ended better. And so far, the Titans, she's got she got a really good head coach, the guy who was unequivocally the best hire the Titans could have had, especially with Ben Johnson leaving. We're not gonna we were not gonna hire Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick <laughs> because if you're gonna fire Vrabel and get those, like, that would have been a move done in vain. I'm, I'm really, people. I'm really glad that they, they didn't go and get that uh, coordinator from uh, Dallas, Dan Quinn. I really oh yeah, and he got hired that. too. But the Titans have pretty much gotten from what they should should have had. The Titans have had honestly, and this is. This is a big statement, but damn near the best case scenario they could have had. I like the new guy. The head, I, get, I get good vibes from him. staff. Like it's it's I, been it's been great. I really liked I really liked Callahan's opening press conference. Oh, he's, he's, he was awesome. Very well spoken. Very open. very yeah, just very open about his plans. Um, so I got a buddy down here in St. Pete, Florida, that's a diehard Cincinnati Bengals fan. So I picked his brain a little bit, and he was like, he was like. You guys got a good one. Yeah. He's like, he he told me straight up, he goes, This guy deserved a head coaching job, but he's never called his own plays. I did not realize that he did not call his own plays in Seattle. So that has me a little nervous that he's never called his own plays before. But other than that, I'm excited. I think it's a great hire. From from what I've heard from people, I you know, I also there was also a guy on Twitter who I've seen is a who a lot of people trust as like the Bengals resource. He said great things about Callahan. Zach Taylor, Bengals head coach, was saying great things. I'm I'm really not worried about him not calling plays. I think he'll do just fine. And he's and they've said he's developed every position they've had in Cincinnati. I, I now really, let's let's see if Derrick Henry wants to take a hometown discount and come back. I would love it, but oh. I, yeah, I think it's unlikely. Unfortunately, probably yeah, I know it's unlikely, it, it's but unlikely. I can still I can still live in fantasy land, can I? Oh, of course um, you can. We all can this, and, can, and can this team please go out and get a uh, another wide receiver? I mean, that would be amazing in itself. Just go, just go get another, get a number two. Get go T- get a good quality number two wide receiver. Don't and T Higgins would be great, but I wouldn't get your hopes up there. He'll be franchise tagged by the Bengals. So yeah. no, don't 
Don't get excited about you. You can live in fantasy world, of course. I'm not saying you can't do that. <laughs> nah, but, yes. so if you're living in reality world, don't really don't expect the T Higgins acquisition this year. I'm sorry. Don't want to. Yeah. We just want we just want a professional sports championship in Nashville. Is that so much yeah, to ask? I want, I want one so bad. Uh, the city deserves it so much. Think about a championship parade going down Broadway. Oh my God. We talk about that. I mean, the whole the whole town would get off work for a day and have to. It, has it would to. be it would it would rival the NFL draft crowd. Oh, oh, the the, the craziness that would ensue. It'd be more probably. Yeah. City deserves it. Let's see who brings one home first. I don't know. We've talked about that before in the past as well. Which cha- which which championship is harder to win? Of course, the path is shorter in the NFL. You don't have to play as many games. But you're one and done. You get you get no. Yeah. You have you have one bad game and you're eliminated. Whereas at least in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you can have a bad game one and still come back in game two and get the win and, and tie the series. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. Both teams are very frustrating though. Yeah. All right. Been- All right. Everyone, thank you so much for joining episode 220 of Catfish Nice with your hosts Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Looking to get some good guests on in the coming weeks. Stay tuned for that. Until then, everyone stay safe. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your all-star break festivities. And we will see you back here next week for a brand new episode. Take care. See you later.